Music is a universal language and it has the capacity to pull at your heart in a funny way. And if you need something, some inspiration to draw on, I think you can find a piece of music for any need. Welcome to Arts Engines. I am your host, Aaron Dworkin, and with us today we have Victoria Roby, Chairman of the Board of the London Philharmonic Orchestra and also founder of London Music Masters. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you, Aaron. I'm delighted to be with you. Oh, it's great that you were able to take some time. Uh, so I thought we'd kind of, you know, just delve in and, you know, how are things, if you will, across the pond? How are things at the London Phil uh, these days? Kind of, uh, what are you thinking? How are you adjusting? How are things there? Well, I have been remarkably impressed with the orchestra and the way it's been so resilient during such a really challenging time. Um, both on the administrative side and from the members of the orchestra, but equally the board pulling together as, as the LPOs, as one big family, trying to think through solutions and be creative and, and repurposing, a lot of repurposing of people thinking about how they can take skill sets that weren't necessarily the ones they were using right then and, and repurpose them in this, this new time. So I think it's in a very strong and resilient place, which I think is an important word right now is to have that resilience. Awesome, awesome. So, and I'll get into maybe, you know, a little bit more kind of, are there any specific things that you're doing and kind of thinking about there for the, the future? But before that, I kind of just want to go back to kind of, if you will, the beginning. And, you know, you've had this, you know, extraordinary life in, in music and in the arts and uh, and not only your role with the London Phil, but London Music Masters, which I also want to talk about, but where, where does that emanate from? How, how did your passion uh, for, for music and, and for the arts come about so that you really wanted to invest so much of your life in it? Well, music and the arts have always been in my life. Music from the time that I was four years old. Um, my children's lives were full of music. Um, I studied history of art when I was at university and afterwards in London. Um, I worked in that area for many years uh, in a kind of nerdy academic way. So there's always been a fusion of music and art in my heart. But my, my real passion for doing something proactive uh, with London Music Masters, it, I think the first inspiration was my own children, which I, I know that goes right back to your first interview. This, you know, children do tend to inspire us because we learn from them and what they benefited from. Uh, my children, like me, benefited in the round to having instrumental lessons, specifically stringed instruments, to two violinists and a cellist, and I saw what it gave them, um, and that was much of the inspiration behind and with the setting up of London Music Masters now over a dozen, a dozen years ago, really. Yeah, and, and so could you kind of share with us a little bit more, and of course my, my viewers, kind of about London Mas Music Masters, um, why you started, and kind of what are those main components of it in terms of its impact? Well, London Music Masters um, 
teaches young children in primary schools in the very hardest to reach corners of London, state primary schools, challenged backgrounds, all socioeconomic walks of life, all ethnicities. I think we have something like 27 languages in our schools and um, it's, it's, a, it's an extraordinary uh, mixing bowl that London is. Um, and I've always felt that all children, all children should have the right to have a, an excellent education in music because it's not just the music that they get. Now, I don't need to preach to the converted here. <laughs> this has been your life. Um, but you know, that access to excellence which raises aspirations and gives you very um, transferable skills. That's, that was at the heart of London Music Masters because that's, that's something my children got and I thought others should. And I, I, I did not do this alone. Uh, I worked with a fantastic team that was built up from the beginning with starting with Professor Rashkovsky at the Royal College of Music and working closely with the LPO who were our original partner who helped us to get into the first two schools we were in and we're now in you know, several London schools, seven, and we have 1,500 children that we teach every week. And actually, that teaching has been going on right through the pandemic when schools have been closed um, to keep them online taught so that as the best we can. Um, and have you, did you feel like that translated pretty well, being able to go remote? Yeah, uh, the LMM team are incredible. They are so versatile and so enthusiastic. Uh, and you know, they, they have the aspiration to bring this in an enthusiastic way to their kids, which absolutely translates online. The hardest thing, as I understand it, isn't the generating the enthusiasm from our amazing teachers. It's actually reaching some of those children who are in the hardest to reach families. The ones who are inclined easily to come online and follow the teacher training and do the practicing and engage with the process, easy peasy. But some of them, you know, they come from families where this is not the usual thing. And you, they are best reached, <clears throat> excuse me, in school. And so when you're trying to do it online and not in school and you can't be standing there face to face and pulling them into the process, I mean, I don't need to tell you about this, and you know how hard that is. So it's been a big challenge, but I'm extremely proud of how LMM has just basically transformed itself into a sort of relevant teaching experience in this new paradigm of ours. Wow. And is there, as you look at that work that LMM has been doing, is there any kind of story that rises of, of you know, a, a young student that you've mm -hmm. seen really, you know, impacted and, and where you've seen that trajectory for them come out of this experience they're able to have because of your programming? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, um, a lot of them are really inspired by the other half of what we do, which are the uh, young, young artists coming up who act as mentors. We've been giving them support and awards, as you know. Um, and some of them, you know, like Elena Uriosta, have been working really actively in our schools and are just fantastic role models for our kids. And we also work a lot with people like, you know, Sheikh Ukana Mason, who um, has actually inspired our new young cellist because we moved from violence to tell us, but there is one fantastic story, well, there are many, but one that jumps to mind is a young woman who, now a young woman, started with us when she was four, um, and she trained right with us, and, and she was one of the ones who I thought, well, if just one of them, through our teaching, could make it into the junior department at the Royal College of Music, I would feel like we've kind of proven the case that any child from anywhere with the right access and inspirational teaching can achieve anything on a level pegging with their peers from all backgrounds. 
And this young woman, um, she's, I don't know if I should mention names online, but I don't know, she's, she's, uh, she's called Britannia Johnny. She's just amazing. And she was the one, one of the ones in the very first year. And she did that. She, she got herself a place among her other, four, three others that year at the uh, RCMJD, got some fantastic teaching. I was proud enough of that for her because she's, she's just an amazing young woman. But she then got into the, uh, she's been in the NYO and she, National Youth Orchestra. She's been in the first violin section of Chineke Juniors with Chichi Maloko and her group, which is just wonderful. And she also became a junior artist in the junior artist program at the LPO, which is a wonderful teenage program of mentoring and teaching and learning with, uh, in collaboration with young people in the, who are teenagers learning and our musicians. Um, and she, she's gone right up through that and, and it sort of hit a peak when we had a moment where the young woman was supposed to be playing the uh, first movement of the Bach double with the LPO at a gala and she fell ill. And at the last minute, I was asked, we have anybody from our teaching who'd worked with the LPO in any capacity who might want to step in to this performance at a gala with Vladimir Yurovsky conducting in the LPO and, and with a star soloist. And I said, I know someone who might just step up to it. And Britannia said, it was a Friday and it was for a Monday performance. She said, oh, sure, sure, I'll do it, she said. And then she said, but I am playing the first part, aren't I? And I said, no, you're the second. She said, ah. <laughs> Oh, that's right. I'll learn the second. <laughs> she was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But it's like you see the line right through it. There she is playing with the LPO and you think, amazing. Awesome. amazing. It's awesome. a lovely, inspiring story. Awesome. So as you think about, you know, this work that you've done and when we have, you know, a broad cross section of viewers from those who are arts leaders to those who are students to those who are aspiring in various career paths in the arts, would you have kind of, what would you say might be three things that you would suggest for any or any one of those groups of kind of our viewers that you would suggest they focus on or think about as they try to achieve their goals? Well, I mean, you're obviously asking that question in the middle of the most unusual possible climate for young people to be pursuing a career in the arts specifically musicians who are trying to build careers um, and, even, and for our players. So suddenly in this pandemic world of not knowing when we might tour, where can we tour to? What, how will that whole touring world change? Um, we're, we're, I'll step back just a minute to say we're very fortunate at the LPO in that it's an orchestra which has in its DNA um, both obviously symphonic platform playing of the highest order, but it's also an orchestra of the pit because in the summer we're at Glyndebourne playing opera. So it has a wonderful ability to be nimble and to adjust and to play all repertoire to all audiences. And I think that's a pretty good thing to aspire to, which is I think being a first and foremost relevant, be relevant, be resilient, and be responsive. I mean, not all the R's. Yeah. But I think, yeah. you know, in an ever-changing world, whether you are a, a young person starting out who wants to go and be at a conservatoire and, you know, thinks they want to be a soloist, um, bear in mind that chamber music is amazing. Orchestral music is amazing. But if you stick your hat on one peg and think that's what you want to do, 
and the world changes and you aren't relevant, uh, re resilient enough to kind of think again, how do you fit in that world in a relevant way? And, and I think that's really, really important is, is that, that ability to be uh, flexible and open-minded and think about all your options as you build your portfolio career, no matter what age you are. But I think the orchestra is thinking very hard. What is our place as an orchestra in the 21st century? Who are we trying to reach and how? And how can we go with the availability of uh, venue and platform in this ever-changing world, whether it's online or live, without, without losing sight of the fact that, of course, we all want to hear live music. That is at the heart of everything. But how do you make that work? So that would be point one, I think, would be being kind of resilient. Um, does that, that strike a good view? Oh, completely. Very, very much so. Very much so. No, that's, yeah. that's awesome. I, I think one of the, the second one would be um, to remain aspirational. Uh, yeah. You know, never, never allow yourself uh, to lose your enthusiasm to be inspired and inspiring and to share that with the broadest possible audience. And so, you know, reach out, reach to a diverse, inclusive group of people who, for whom it might be new. So kind of keep exploring and keep, keep your aspirations up there because the more, it's like that many voices thing, the more voices that you have coming into that story that are either in the audience or on the stage, the more interesting and exciting and, and sort of engaging it all is. And I, and I think you should never forget that the audience is part of that performance. You know, without the audience there, it's a whole different experience and it's not irrelevant because right now it is relevant. But having that audience there adds, adds so much. So, so bring in a broad audience. I suppose that would be my second thing. Definitely very powerful. Very powerful. Uh, third, third, really, in today's day and age, stay healthy in kind of mind and body and spirit. Because, you know, if you, if you are healthy um, and actively emotionally engaging and you feel good about that and you're physically fit and you're emotionally fit, I think that you will make a much more amazing musician and have a bigger voice and a more listened to voice maybe, but you'll also feel better about it for yourself. So those would be my three things. <laughs> those are phenomenal. And I think I'm going to try and figure out how I get all of those incorporated into how I'm approaching <laughs> day-to-day life. So thank you very much for those. We're, we're almost out of time. Two uh, relatively quick questions. So one, um, I know that you're extraordinarily you know, modest, even given this unbelievable leadership that you've brought over just an astounding career. Um, but one of the things, especially a lot of people on this side of the pond may not be aware about, uh, is this thing called the Order of the British Empire, oh. which you were honored to receive uh, from Prince Charles, I believe. And so I was just wondering if you could just share, um, obviously you've received a lot of these honors, but when you kind of have this work that you do recognized in that way, what, what kind of thoughts does it bring to mind in terms of, for, for you, what are you thinking about and, and wh why do you think, um, you know, the, that recognition to what is it being attributed? What would you want to share with our viewers about what you feel is, is important about this work that you've dedicated yourself to? I, well, the OBE um, was a shock and a surprise because, I mean, being American born, um, I hadn't really considered that that was the sort of thing that would come 
in my direction. It just wasn't on the radar for me. Um, but you know, when, when somebody turns around and tells you, you know, well done, actually it's, it's useful what you've done. Then you, I, I guess in my case, I, I looked at it and I, I felt proud, but I really felt proud of my team um, at, at London Music Masters and unbelievably proud of the LPO all the time, you know, and what they, what they do and what they stand for. And I think you just realize that you're such a little part of something, but if, if it helps them to feel good too, that kind of you've been recognized because of them really, um, that's, that's fine. Awesome. Yeah, that's fine. Awesome. Awesome. So one last question, which is just on a personal basis, you know, with all of these things and the challenges from the pandemic and, you know, being on lockdown in various phases, um, what do you do? Where do you find your inspiration when things get tough, when, you know, organizational issues or, you know, just life around you seems very challenging? Where do you find your inspiration? Where do you draw your strength from? Wow. Uh that's a really big question. I'm not always sure about the answer to that. I mean, sometimes I just need to go and take a good walk and, and, and think hard, um, which I do in the countryside when I'm in Suffolk. And I, I love that freedom to just go out in an unspoiled, you know, kind of countryside and walk and think. But I mean, music really, I know it's corny, but actually it is the thing for me. When I'm either high or low, I do turn to music. And during the pandemic, there have been times when I really felt low and worried and overwhelmed. And I would just go into the room where we have our CD player and I'd pull out something either familiar and comforting or new that I wanted to challenge me or something I'd forgotten about. And I just put it on and I put it on really loud and I just sit there in the room and I just let it wash over me. And it, it's very inspiring. You know, there's some from who knows, you know, even going to the wonderful performance that Vladimir Yurovsky did of Chike 6 with the LPO, which just never fails to move, to new music like, you know, Jennifer Higdon's piece that Marin also conducted with us, um, Percussion Concerto, which Colin Curry played in. You know, you think from one to the other, it's such a world apart, and each one brings you something to kind of hang on to. And, but, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky. I, I have a loving family and I have loving dogs and I have a wonderful husband who's in the same field and we can talk about stuff. So if, I'm, if I've got to worry, he's like my twofer. I'll go to him and say, well, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? Um, but, but basically, I think, you know, music, it's, I know everybody who comes on your performance will say the same thing. But music is a universal language and it has the capacity to pull at your heart in a funny way. And if you need something, some inspiration to draw on, I think you can find a piece of music for any need if you, if you have a big enough CD collection. And if not, you can go on Spotify and find it or you can go on Adagio or something, but the, it's kind of out there. And, and then you can be delighted in the new music that's coming out and kind of, yeah, that's, that's where it comes from. Victoria Roby, you truly are one of the great arts engines in our field. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me.